Hey, guess what, friends from all over the automotive universe? It is time once again for yet another... Another spiffing episode of V8 Radio, Kevin. Ooh, spiffing. Spiffing. How spiffing? That sounds like kind of a British term. It's very spiffing. Yes, righto. Right. What does that mean? Uh, that means uh, excellent or splendid. Oh, right on. Uh, splendid. Uh, I'm uh, your host, Kevin Oste, joined as always by our esteemed co-host, Mr. Mike Hubal-Clark, who is uh, uh, appearing to be rather spiffing this evening. Yes, indeed. Likewise, my good friend. Likewise. Uh, Old chap. Splendid. (laughs) 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 That's why we do this. It's a self-help group just for us. (laughs) (laughs) It's our little 12-step program. That's it. Uh, we throw sunshine at each other, and you get to listen and follow along at home. How about that? <laughs> oh, man. Well, we know the real reason why they come here, and that is because of the automotive trivia questions, my friend. And why else? Yeah, really. There's no other reason. Yeah, no other reason. Yeah. Much. Uh, so, yes, we uh, we prepare some automotive trivia, however trivial it is, and uh, I, uh, I got a good one for you. I think you're going to get it. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. You want me to go first? Holy cow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a, actually, I got a nice softball for you. You, If you don't get it, then you're fired. Oh, judgment. Okay. Pre-judgment. Yeah. Nice. Here we go. All right, Kevin. Back in the day, mm. there was a certain U.S. auto manufacturer that had a feature built into their cars called the typewriter drive. What was the typewriter drive, and what manufacturer was it? Oh, man. You thought I was going to get this? You're going to get this. <clears throat> Typewriter drive? You know, I, I honestly, I don't think I've ever even heard of it. Kevin Oste. Yeah, yeah. The typewriter drive. This is a feature from an American automaker. U.S. automaker. And I'll, you know what? I'll give you a hint. Oh, good. Geez. It was from um, mid-50s to mid-60s is when this... Um, was on these cars. Typewriter drive. I'm lost. You completely got me. You're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Why the heck would I lie about something I don't know? <laughs> I lie about all the stuff I do think I know or I'm lying about. I really have no concept. I, I don't think I've ever even heard that term. Hmm. Well, now I have to wager some kind of a spiffing guess. You have to throw a guess out there, uh, and you're gonna like nail it because you've been stringing me along this whole time. No, no, no. Okay, no, no, no. It's not on the script, you know. If it's not on the script, I don't know the answer. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, typewriter drive. What the heck? I'm, I'm trying to think of some kind of analogous automotive component to the typewriter, and everything I'm getting in my mind sucks. You know, because mm. it kind of plods along and it clacks and it clunks, right? Mm. So, mm. what the heck? Why would you advertise that feature of a vehicle? It clacks wow. along and it's slow and it clunks and <laughs> it's you know it, it creates typos. I, I have no mm. clue. So mm. I'm just gonna throw a wag out there and say, all right, that the typewriter drive. Uh, it smells like Ford for some reason. So I'm going to say it was a Ford thing on full size vehicles, maybe galaxies. Uh, oh, wait a minute. I think I know where you're going with this. Hold on a minute. This was a Mopar thing, wasn't it? And was that a name for the push button shift? I I don't know. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe that's what it was. You push the buttons like you're typing on a typewriter to select the different gears. All right, so let's right, back it up here. <laughs> we, we, you've thrown out a couple manufacturers here. I'm going right. to give you the opportunity to lock it in okay, okay, okay. and make your final answer. Very kind of you. Yeah, I did have kind of a, a, a vomitus of information there. Um, I will say it is a Plymouth feature, and it referred to the push-button shift action Push on their automatic transmissions. Shift on auto trans. 
All right. Well, that was quite a journey we just went on. It was, yeah. It's still probably <laughs> wrong, but that, that's the closest thing I can think of that has any kind of a context that might make sense to a typewriter okay. drive, for crying out loud. <laughs> All right. All right, I got one All for right. you. That's a lot easier. All right, let's have it. Uh, what car company built a model called the Manta, and where could you buy one? The Manta. Mm-hmm. What car company mm-hmm. what was built the a model called the Manta? U.S. auto manufacturer, I'm assuming. Give me that. Give me that. Give you the manufacturer? No, 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 no. What, if it was a U.S. auto manufacturer. Um, you better give it to me. God dang it. Kinda? Kinda. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yes, I guess. Sure. Technically, that's a tough one. The Manta. All right. The Manta sounds pretty, uh, pretty, pretty much of a speedy car. Mm, speedy. That sounds like something rather exotic Ooh. in its its namesake. How exotic? How exotic? Um, let me see. See, Chevrolet had the Manta. Oh, it is spiffing. See, Chevrolet had the Mako Shark. Oh, yeah, for yeah. for a, a Corvette type, a, um, a, a speedy nautical connotation yes. there. Yes, yeah, yes. exactly. Um, the Manta, and then uh, I hate myself right now because I know this answer, and I've heard of this before. I don't think the Manta had typewriter drive, by the way. No. Okay. Well, then that that could rule out Ford or or Plymouth. Because <laughs> I got both of them wrong. Is what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say the Manta was was a General Motors uh, creation. Uh, or do I need to be more specific than that? Well, I mean, it, it, the only General Motors brand on a car would be like GMC, right? I mean, that, you know, it's not like there's a General Motors. Right. Okay. Well, that's the parent company. Okay. But, oh, but so we're starting um, starting at the top. Yeah. Yeah. General. I, I, I will say Motors parent company noted. I will say, well, to drill it down a bit, we're going to go with, well, well, we're just going to go with, uh, we're going to go with Buick. Going to go with Buick. Yes. The Buick Manta. Everybody's heard of that. (laughs) I think I own seven. (laughs) (laughs) They were spiffing automobiles. Yes, they were spiffing. In auto and four speed. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, so um, where could you buy one then? Oh, Oh, that was a part of the question, too. Yeah, Where yeah. could I buy one? Okay, I, I apologize. That's right. Um, at your local Buick dealer. At your local. I mean, that only makes sense. And, Kevin, wouldn't you really rather have a Buick? I would, yeah. The uh, Great American Road belongs mm. to Buick. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Cars to light your <sighs> fire. Yeah. That was in 1970, their ad campaign. Oh, very nice. Yeah. I don't think your local Buick buyer was into the doors at that point, but uh, you never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, okay, duly noted. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice. Yeah, not really, but thank you. This is what automotive trivia victory smells like, folks. <laughs> <laughs> like a steaming pile of you-know-what. <laughs> of spiffing manta. Us. Of spiffing, a, spiff, a pile of spiff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right on. Well, um, you're going to have to wait till the end, you listener friend of ours, to hear what <laughs> the actual answers to these riveting questions really are. Uh, for Pete's <laughs> sake. Just terrible. My Lord. You know, we get a lot of good <laughs> feedback on this show about people listening, and we appreciate that. But, you know, they've never oh. said you guys should write trivia books. <laughs> 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 nice. 
and they wouldn't be wrong in that assertion. No, V8 Radio, oh boy. lame-ass trivia book. <laughs> oh, it's on the New York Times bestseller list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Well, Kevin, um, moving on, you've had, uh, you got a few things going on in your own garage uh, with your Galaxy so to speak, you're gonna you're gonna do some make some movement on that. Yeah, yeah, I talked about it long enough, and uh, uh, finally gonna do some stuff. You're right, you're right. I'm pretty excited actually. the uh, the The first order of business is to um, modernize the fuel injection on the car. Which, it. as I say that, that's kind of funny to think this car. So it was originally, I believe, an S code. 390 cubic inch V8 with a four barrel Autolite carb. Maybe it had a Holly on it. I don't remember. Um, but that engine went by the wayside a long time ago, so we didn't feel very guilty about uh, about changing it out. Because um, <clears throat> when we got the car, the original engine was long gone. Uh, so in 2000, I believe, we did a, uh, a conversion on it and installed a Ford. Uh, motorsport SVO block, uh, 351 cubic inch fuel injected engine. And looking back, that was 20 years ago already. My gosh. I know. And and in 2000, the fuel injection technology that we used was from the Eek 4 family, which was already 12 years, 18, 17 years old at that point. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah, because it was vintage, like early '90s stuff. So I guess eight, eight or nine years old. Okay, it, they were new parts, but the ECM was like a '92 Mustang. Oh, okay, right. So <clears throat> that puts it a 27 year old technology, and that that ECM actually I think came out in '85 or '6. My gosh, right. So I mean, this thing's old enough to have kids of its own at this point, <laughs> right? That are, that are like With their in, own cars in college, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So. um <clears throat> It, it served pretty well. I mean, I, I think I've got 40-some thousand miles on this package, uh, okay. some cross-country trips and stuff. And and the the good is that um, the air intake system is uh, uh, an Edelbrock uh, Performer uh, 5.8 manifold, what they call it. So it's a, it's a port fuel injection system. So it's got fuel rails with injectors and it's got the lower intake and then the upper. And then at the end of the upper is a, an elbow and then the mass air meter and the throttle body, uh-huh. uh, 70, 70 millimeter throttle body on this one. I think 24 pound injectors and the 24 pound injectors are probably at the limit for 351. If you're going to spin some RPM in it, they're probably right. Oh, is at that the, right? Yeah. You probably want, you know, something at least in the 30 pound range. Okay. Um, but I never built this to be a race car. I wanted it to be reliable and I wanted it to be, you know, as fuel efficient as it could be. And it's got an overdrive transmission and all that jazz. And the rest of the engine is, um, for the time, you know, definitely pretty good stuff. Uh, that 351 SVO block, um, it's, uh, basically designed for sportsman drag racing, you know, bracket oh, race guys, okay. but it's a roller uh, a roller engine, so full roller cam, roller rockers. It's got comp adjustable rockers on it, uh, oh, where, the, where the 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 push rod cup is adjustable, basically. So you can. Oh, I'll gotcha. you. Know, uh, you don't originally they were pedestal adjusters, so you would okay. take the rocker arm off and it, you could shim it upward or downward to compensate oh. for where the valve and the tip contacted. Mm-hmm. And I changed those out to be these adjustable ones where the tip is adjustable the only downside about that is you cannot adjust them while it's running because the thing's moving obviously so right um you got to set them manually but it's a hydraulic roller it's a comp cam a 268 an xe 268h hydraulic roller so it's an extreme energy cam which is one that has a a pretty vertical ramp on the cam lobe um makes good vacuum has a little bit of a lope to it uh, the engine itself is probably only about nine to one compression, nine two, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got aluminum heads, which kind of makes it like an eight and a half to, you know, high eight to yeah, one compression because right. it runs on anything. You sure. could put 87 in it all day long and it doesn't care. Um, and the heads are, uh, Ford GT, GT, 
they're GT40 heads, but they're called the uh, um, X303 heads, I believe. X303s. Anyway, they're, they're GT40 X heads is what they're called. And it's called okay. a turbo swirl combustion chamber. Oh, wow. So it's got a little bit of a heart-shaped quench area. And um, they're pretty decent out of the box. You know, back in the day, a lot of Mustang guys were racing these things. And, and you can port them out quite a bit and, and make them flow pretty well. Uh-huh. Mine are straight. You know, that was a crate engine from Ford. And that's the way it came. And that's the way it still sits. Sure. Um, one of the downsides of the 351, by the way, is the... Uh, main bearing journal size is larger than a big block Chevy. Get out of here. Yeah, because 351s were truck motors primarily. And they built oh. that crank and that bottom end to be really, really strong. Uh-huh. Um, but that also translates to having a pretty big parasitic drag because there's uh-huh, so much right. surface area on those bearings. Yeah. So it never really got the fuel economy I was hoping for. Um, oh. If I was smarter, I would have done like a 347, which would have been a 50302 block instead of right. a 351 block. Right, punched out a bit and stroked. Correct, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I wasn't thinking that far ahead when, when we did this one. Um, but again, it's like I said, it's port fuel injected and, and the whole deal. The computer is the EEC4 or the EEC4. It's like a eight bit Atari. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, a six megahertz. I mean, it's an old, I don't even know if it's, it's like that. It's like an old calculator watch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it controls timing and it controls, you know, all the functions of the uh, EFI system. So you can't, you can't really tune those. And we, we talked on a previous episode about, you know, putting a chip on the car. Um, and that's what you used to do. You used to have to have a, a, right. a prom chip burned and plug it in on the back. Uh, and I have this device called the tweaker, which is a play on eek, T-W-E-E-C-E-R. Mm. Okay. And it allows me to piggyback that and access all of the scalers and tables um, and functions of that ECM with a laptop. But um, the problem with it is is tuning it is like a painful process. Is it? Because you have to change each individual value on each table individually and then go run it, data log the air fuel, and then uh, compare it to see if you're making an improvement or not because it doesn't do anything on its own. Oh, I got you. No self-learning back then. No. Um, it, it isn't a mass air system that has a small percentage of uh, trimming, what they call. So it, it, I think it's up to maybe 2% per cell on a table. And it takes it a really long time, you know, to drive around and and smooth the curve a little bit, you know. But it's funny, the computer was originally for a, a 92 5 liter 302 cubic inch Mustang, and already we're throwing it in a 351. So all of the volumetric calculation tables are off right just out of the water yep by 50 cubes and (laughs) yeah ed marsh who was a guy at a company called windsor fox that did the uh the the majority of the work on the fuel injection swap Uh he pointed out that at the time he had a 68 mustang with a 351 or a 347 stroker on a completely stock computer with no tuning whatsoever and it was safely running like 11s so he said these things actually do have the ability to run um, properly if you scale everything up accordingly. So we scaled up the engine displacement and then also scale up the injector capacity so that the computer doesn't really know that everything is bigger. It's just firing the pulse width at the same rate that it would have. Okay. We're just spraying more at a time because we're running more air through it. I gotcha. That's interesting, man. I mean, for in the 90s, that was pretty amazing stuff. And I know we spoke about this before, but just to be able to have some tunability with an aftermarket ECU was really big news when the advent of, you know, uh, uh, electronic fuel injection came around. Right. You know, before the, 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 the manufacturer's box, you really couldn't do anything with it unless you cracked it open. And if the chip 
wasn't socketed, you'd have to desolder it. Yeah, and hopefully, right. and then maybe, then maybe get like a socket put on there so you could uh, reinsert it. And it was a real, a real pain. That's but right. Add an and people were willing it. to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, get an EEPROM. Yep. Yeah. Um, That's an erasable, happy to do it. erasable, programmable read-only memory for those. That's who right, man. Know. Yeah, how about that. Uh, but yeah, and people did it. It was just archaic and a pain. So, in all the years of ownership of this system i never really took the time to spend like three days at the dyno and smooth all the curves manually and apply all the different functions because i had so many variables that were different so yes the cubic inch displacement the injector capacity the air intake diameter so originally that car came with like a 58 millimeter mass air and throttle body and i was running a 70 so all of these things you know the exhaust was different um and they all have uh, an effect so it ran it ran okay you know i drove it a lot the idle was always kind of screwy it, um the idle air control system wasn't scienced out um i never had a good working egr system which is very beneficial on those cars uh okay. not just for emissions but for for tuning and so, you know, along comes our friends at Holly with the technology to have a, a self-calibration ECM, you know, to, mm -hmm. to a certain degree. And I thought that would be really cool. Um, and the flip side is that you open the hood on my Galaxy and it looks like 1993, you know. Right. <laughs> it's got right. that style of intake manifold and it's got, it's got yeah. the good one, but it... it, it doesn't look like so 1962. It's kind of dated, yeah. Yeah. So um, it finally dawned on me that, uh, you know, the, the prices aren't real high on a Holley Sniper EFI system. And that's a throttle body system with injectors built into the, into the throttle body. Uh, and the pieces that I have on my car are still pretty valuable. Mm. There are, you can go buy that intake manifold that upper and lower brand new today. And no you find the package on eBay for seven or 800 bucks. I mean, they didn't really lose money all this time. That's great. So I thought, you know what I need to do is just pull all that stuff and sell it to somebody who's racing a Mustang in a class that needs that or sell it to a guy with a Ford Lightning that wants to increase, you know, his stuff mm -hmm. and put that money into a typical four barrel intake manifold and a Holly Sniper system. And it's it's not going to be a wash, but it's going to be far less of an investment, uh, mm -hmm. you know, than springing for the whole EFI system out of the box. Right. Already have right. the electric fuel pump. Already have the fuel lines right. run. Right. So I'm like, hello. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm going to end up running a Y-end uh, stealth aluminum intake manifold and put the Holly Sniper on that. And okay. soon on eBay will be... Uh, that Edelbrock upper and lower, the fuel rails, the fuel injectors, the throttle body, the air, mass air meter, and uh -huh. one package ready to go to a new home. And, Perfect. And then I'll just have to change the harness over and um, put the Holly ECM in and wire that up. And that's the one that's got the touchscreen, so you can answer a few questions about the displacement and the engine. Uh -huh. um, it controls the timing. I already have an electronic distributor, so... Uh, oh, perfect. That will be dialed in. It's got a Ford TFI. It's an MSD version, but a, a TFI mm -hmm. uh, distributor. Thin thin film. I forgot what TFI stands for. Thick film. Anyway, um, mm -hmm. I'll be able to control that's that. A, that's a trivia question. That is, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't use that one. I don't know the answer. Uh, and then uh, I can put a a more traditional appearing intake you know air filter on it and valve covers and stuff and kind nice. of bring the personality under the hood back to mm -hmm. you know what it was supposed to be here's something interesting to think about one might think because you're going from current your current setup which is a port fuel injection system to the holly sniper which is a throttle body injection system and somebody might think well he's, he's moving backwards what are you doing knucklehead that's right you totally. know everyone knows port fuel injection is better however with this holly system you're going to gain so much more tunability you know in so much less time that this car is going to run way better than it did currently 
And I, I thought about that. And I, I actually, uh, we have another project going on at the shop where we're going to be putting in um, kind of a similar deal. It's a, it's a Corvette that we worked on a while ago. We did an LS3 swap on this Corvette. And now the customer wants it to look more appropriate for a 69 Corvette than an LS3. So we're going to end up doing a dual throttle body, like a, like a dual quad intake. Like, okay, cool. And then put throttle bodies on that. And then a three by two style triangular air filter on top of it with a Y, Y shaped wiring harness, if you will, and have the Holly that has a Holly dominator on it. So it'll run the multiple throttle bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, But that one we're keeping the throttle bodies dry and running the port fuel because oh, okay. that system is totally cool with that. Sure. The sniper in this case, you're hundred percent correct. A, a port fuel system. It, the difference is the fuel injectors are mounted basically right over the intake ports and it shoots the mm-hmm. fuel right in there as opposed to a throttle yeah. body, which is like a carburetor. So the air fuel has to go down the intake and find its way all the way into the hole. Mm-hmm. For this car, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really my answer. Will it not be optimized? No, it will not be the optimal situation. Is it going to make that much of a difference on this one? Not at all. And and our experience with the Holley snipers is that the throttle response is is wonderful, mm-hmm. and the atomization is great. And if you yeah. didn't know, if you weren't racing the car and doing laps and doing dyno sessions, you would never miss it. So. That's awesome. Yeah, the, the Halley and a lot of those fuel injection systems have the annular discharge. So it's, it, it, it shoots fuel all around the throttle body for, for great atomization and great mixing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really a, quite an efficient uh, se- uh, setup. Yeah, yeah. That, that's never been one of the complaints uh, mm-hmm. as we've done these installs. Everybody is just amazed by the, the instant response and... How you know you know when you drive a car you can tell when it's getting enough fuel you can feel it the right. en- the engine sounds happy it's not sputtering it's not wheezing mm-hmm. um, and you know when it's getting too much fuel because it starts to bog and it starts to mm-hmm. choke um, and and these systems they get it you know and again I'm looking for something that um, you turn the key and you can drive it anywhere you want and I can watch the screen now and when the learning light is on. I know that it's refining itself. And like you Mm -hmm. said, it's going to be a far better calibration than I had uh, without doing any of the work. Um, Uh And you open the hood and it's going to look right. Yeah, that's great. And what what would have taken you three days to tune will take you an hour now. Well, let's qualify that statement. It's taken me 20 years and it's not in tune yet. What? Even better, what's taking you 20 years to not accomplish will take you an hour to accomplish. Yes, by driving around. <laughs> by driving around. Setting the basic map on the awesome handheld yeah. and putting your parameters in and going and letting letting it refine itself. Right, right. And we do a lot of these swaps at the shop for good reason. You know, they, they work. Mm-hmm. And, and there are a couple of gotchas that we've come across and... Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if we talked about this <clears throat> on this uh, this particular podcast, but a recent one is uh, our buddy Yardley again. Mentioned him last time. He yeah, put man. a sniper on his Riv on his '69 Riviera, and he had some problems with it. Um, and we learned that in certain cases, depending on where your ignition coil is and how your car is wired, the air cleaner stud mm-hmm. ends up acting like a radio antenna. Get out of here. Because if you look at the anatomy of the Holly Sniper, the ECM is built into the throttle body. Right. And when you put this threaded rod into that throttle body, it is going to pick up RFI interference under hood and channel it right down into where the ECM is. Oh, man. And they wig out, you know, because they're getting interference. And his car uh, had it pretty bad. There are other people who their coil might be situated farther away or different shielding on the wires or whatever, Mm -hmm. and they never notice it. Uh, It's not a problem. So what we're telling people today, and I actually got this tip from uh, Mike Ring at the, uh, Mm -hmm. or Jim Ring actually, at the Ring Brothers. Yeah. Um, The the fix is to use a a non-conductive carb stud. So something out of um, Delrin or, you know, like, which is kind of like nylon. Yeah. 
Sure. So, so it's no longer an antenna. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I wonder if you could use like a, some kind of composite carb stud, and that would that would fix that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, gonna go with that right out of the box on mine. Perfect. And uh, hopefully not have any issues. So it should be pretty cool. Knock on wood, man. That's it. It'll be awesome. No, I just got to resist the urge to tear the car completely apart while doing this conversion because uh, there's a few details that need to be taken care of. I got a an oil pan with a stripped out uh, drain plug. Oh no! Uh, that that happened 17 years ago. <laughs> and we won't say whose wife was a little heavy-handed on the tightening function one night Mm. during an oil change Mm. um Mm. but i have another oil pan so to do that it's like well i gotta lift the motor up and i'm gonna i'm gonna lift it up i'm gonna maybe check the bearings and i might you know paint the block and you know we'll see yeah gosh darn it oh boy might as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it it, it won't go. I'm going to try and do the whole thing in a weekend. That that's oh, my goal. Perfect. Friday if that's afternoon. Your time budget, then yeah. that'll prevent you from doing anything. Right. Foolhardy. Right. Well, it's going to take some planning. <laughs> so you know, Friday night is going to be tear down, fluid drain, pull the hood, uh-huh. pull the motor out, maybe do some of the cleaning and stripping, and okay. I'm going to get a set of bearings and gaskets and have all that stuff waiting uh-huh. so when i flip this thing okay. over and i pull the pan i'm going to check the check uh-huh. the bearings and if they're good nothing happens if they're not good i can't it doesn't have any problems so i can't imagine it it needs machine work you know mm-hmm. but maybe i put a fresh set of shells in it and and that's end of day friday night you know and then saturday okay. do some cleaning do some painting do some rearranging and and throw it back uh-huh. in and start putting the sniper stuff on and then Hopefully, That's cool, uh, man. Finish it up. I didn't Sunday. realize. I didn't realize you were going to pull the whole motor to uh, to do all that. Well, I, I don't have to again, but I right. but I have to, you know. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> Just because there's things that, I, that when we did I the car it. the first time, uh, it wasn't. I wouldn't do that again, you know. And uh, okay, if, if I go through this and I leave some of that stuff, I'm going to be upset. All right, you so know. it's a chance to right some wrongs, and that's good. That's fine. Yes. So. The the fuel will definitely right some wrongs. Uh, I'm going to reuse the headers and reuse most of the stuff. I really want to change the front accessory drive. Oh, um, yeah? Yeah, it's got a serpentine setup that is from an E350 Ford van. Okay. Which uh, my thought was factory engineered stuff, you know? Usually yeah. doesn't get much better than that. Sounds right. And the E350 van was a weird one because it used a GM Saginaw steering pump. Did it? Yeah. And it's a special bracket. And I like that steering pump, and I have a HydroBoost set up, and I I wanted oh, to have that hybrid. That. Yeah. But today I know that um, there's a couple other... So, so what ended up happening is I started to get some weird belt squeal and slipping, and huh. the tensioner it hasn't been right, and there's some spacers in there because... The 351s are kind of weird. They're a tall deck block, and some mm-hmm. of the brackets are different. And anybody who plays with Ford stuff knows what a jigsaw puzzle it is to piece together an accessory oh, drive right? system. It is a pain. Uh, and mine was all pieced together from junkyard stuff. And I might have some 5.0 parts in there with 351 parts and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And it kind of looks chad. You know, it doesn't look very good. Okay. Uh, so what are you, you going to go with? Uh, that really depends on the budget. Okay. You know, there's kind of two that I'm looking at. Um, the lower what expensive. What do you want to go with? What I would love to do, if the stars align, would be a vintage air front runner. That system, in my opinion, is is top of the top of the food chain. Um, okay. When vintage air designed that system, they didn't just design a serpentine drive. It is a it is a structural thing. So on the Ford. It's it's basically a timing cover that's machined to accept their brackets. Oh, um, it wow. all it all bolts to the front of the block, yeah. And it's got a uh, so it's a rock solid foundation. Mm-hmm. It uses um, hard coat anodized pulleys. You know, it's either a polished or a, a black or a natural aluminum. Um, mm-hmm. 
It uses a, they were using Stuart water pumps. I, I think they still are, which is one of the top water pumps you can buy. They've got an outstanding alternator. Um, they have a great steering pump. It's a GM type two style, smaller pump, which we have later learned. Those are quite happy with HydroBoost systems. So cool. there's no problem there. Um, they are super compact. They're tight to the block. Uh, they, they don't stand out and they're just dead nuts reliable. Everyone we've ever put on a car, it, they're still going perfectly, you know. They're also the highest investment level of, you know, all of them. You, I'm not saying you don't get what you pay for. I just got to right. get what I can afford, you know. Right. I understand. <laughs> so that's yeah, what, I'm, that's what I'm thinking about. Well, that's cool, man. That's, uh, that'll be neat to see that all done. So yeah. you got you to gotta, you gotta timeline of when that's uh, going to happen? Um, yeah, I actually put the order in with, with Holly for the parts so far and, uh, we're waiting on production of the intake manifolds. So, uh, as, as you and I are laying this, uh, what was the name of this? Spiffing. This spiffing episode. Spiffing. Um, tomorrow there's supposed to be a production run. So the parts might be around next week. Um, and then, uh, uh, just trying to line up the right weekend to get the car to the shop. And, and part of me wants to do it, uh, at home in my home garage. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I've got it just, you know, I don't have everything I need here, but I got most of the stuff I need here. Mm-hmm. But when I introduce the concept of doing some paint work, uh, that should probably be done at the shop where the paint booth is probably um, should be. Yeah. So the funny thing is. So we've been in business, this is our 16th year since we've incorporated. Wow, man. I know. You believe that? That's awesome. And I think my Galaxy has never spent the night at our shop. Get out of here. Wow, that's going to change, fella. Well, you know, and I. that's a funny thing because it's been there to get, you know, fluid changes and, you know, I've done some Uh maintenance. And it's it's currently in storage because the transmission puked and and mm-hmm. uh, uh, my overdrive went down, and I'm working on a solution for that too. But right now, the first step is going to be this fuel swap as as I develop the concept for the for the transmission. And you know, there are people that that have shops that are full of their own cars. You know, we've all been to the the guy with the body shop or the hot rod shop, mm-hmm. and it's like half the cars there belong to the owner. And, and it, you know, in my opinion, you know, when, when the team's working on the, the owner's cars, it's like, yeah, it's a boss's car. We've got to paint this thing or whatever. And mm-hmm. and to me, that's not – obviously, that's not why we got into business. You know, we, we build cars for other right. people. So it's – I've always tried to do all my own stuff at home, um, you know, unless I need some super major help. And – um so, but this time I think I'm just going to go ahead and say, you know what, maybe in, in, in 15, 16 years of doing this, it's okay to maybe use a corner of your shop for a weekend. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe once, <laughs> maybe we'll allow it just this one time. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah, just gotta, I just don't want to be in the way. I don't want to be in the way of, you know, legitimate work, you know, the customers yeah. are doing. And or, you or, won't be, I mean, you know what is going to be scheduled and when, and when, when that paint booth is going to be occupied or if it's on a weekend when, when there's no work going on. I mean, yeah, you know that, that's the want. idea. That's yeah. the idea. Just kind of stay out of the way and get my stuff done and get in and get <laughs> right out. Right on, man. It'll be like, you know, going to Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> zip in, paint the car, zip out. That's right. <laughs> oh, I'm excited to, to learn about this. This is good stuff. I'm, uh, I'm happy for you. Yeah. Thank you. Me too. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the, and the whole goal is to be able to drive the car more and, Enjoy it. Amen. Which car was a big part of your life. That's how we got here, man. Yeah. Without that thing, you and I would not be having this conversation if it wasn't for that car. I I get it. That's that's the truth. That's the truth. Yes. Very cool. Listeners can go back to a different episode and hear that story, right? We've we've covered that whole story. Yes. Yes, we have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know which episode it was in, but... It was one of them. Yeah, that's right. It was one of them. Uh, and speaking yeah. of that, you, you've you made some updates uh, on the GTO motor. 
Yeah, I, I yeah, Randy and I were finally able to get together uh, this past weekend. Um, let's see, what did we do? We degreed the cam, and uh, it turns out the lift is a little higher than advertised. But oh. That's okay. It's nothing outrageous. Uh, the duration is spot on, um, so that's cool. So I'm happy with all that. Not uh, a uh, potential piston and valve clearance issue. No, no, not at all. Good. Yeah, nothing like that. We were, we even um, Randy had some helper springs, and I used an old set of heads we put on there to to test the uh, the rocker geometry. And we had it at top dead center, and I pushed that valve all the way down to the to the uh, to the seal to the, from the keeper, so there was no, so everything was bound up, and there was no touching the the piston. So excellent. So that's great. Yeah, I'm happy about that. And um, we did a few other things. We got the oil pan finally bolted on. Um, I had to get the uh, uh, um, dipstick tube uh, pressed into the block from from underneath. So we finally got that done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that let us put the oil pan on. We got the timing cover put on, uh, bolted down. Um, at this point, it's I got to get the uh, the valley pan either replaced or hot tanked because it tends to build up quite a bit of junk inside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just get some heads done, which our friend Eric is working on. Mm-hmm. And um, just all these little odds and ends things. So so we're close. Getting closer. We are, we are really making good progress on this. So I'm... I, I'm feeling better and better about this every day, about meeting my goal of uh, driving on a power to a lake. Right on. So yeah, it's I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked about it, and uh, in no no small part to the to your guidance and generosity that helped me along. It's been it's been fantastic. So thank I you. Really haven't done anything. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the motivation has been great. I know you're excited it's just as much as I am to get this back on the road to see me see me in it again. Oh yeah! And uh, another goal is I want to drive it down to next year's driving cruise. I think that would be fantastic. Yep. So this year's yeah, or next got, year's? This August. Yeah. They uh, usually have it in August, right? Yeah, but I guess that's this yeah. year. It's that's this year's. Yeah, we are in 2020. In, in this year, yeah. Yeah, right on. And and uh, uh, hopefully we've got some big news on that coming too. So it'll be a good one to be at. Right on, man. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, it's things are happening. Things are happening on the GTO front. Well, it's really great to hear. And yeah. you, you, uh, so you were working on that over the weekend, I guess. But you were also working on a race car over the weekend. <laughs> I did. Uh, uh, Saturday, <laughs> I was uh, working on the Lemons car. That's for the uh, the twenty four hours of Lemons race coming up April fourth and fifth at the Autobahn Country Club in Juliet this year. So my buddy Maddie, who's our who's our team owner, he was able to get the car shipped up here from Atlanta, and uh, we just had to do we had to pull the interior out, and we had to wire in the fire suppression or not wire in but plumb the fire suppression system. Well, let's back up a few steps here and and sure. tell us about the the, the rules of the twenty four hours of lemons and, and what car did you guys end up doing? It's a late eighties, early nineties. Buick um, LeSabre, I believe it is. It's a big family sedan with a 3.8 liter V6. Um, Front that drive. came from a Grand Prix. Yeah. Oh, Front drive. It, it's a transplant motor? Yeah, because the last year when they were racing it, they blew the motor. It's oh, one so of bearings. So. This is a, the second year for this car? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Those 3.8s, so, so it's a 3,800 then, right? Correct. Yeah, so that's yeah. a full roller... Port fuel, yeah. DFI, yeah, oh yeah, remote coil mm-hmm. or coil on plug, right? Coil on plug, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they, they use coil packs, three uh, three coil packs, and um, okay, coil packs. Uh, they have, you have, yeah, two uh, two exit, two outputs per coil. And I'm gonna say that thing was factory rated. I think at. 165 horsepower and like 215 torque, something like that. Could be. Um, I know in the late 90s, early 2000s, 
in the Grand Prix, they were rated at 200 horsepower. Yeah. And well, and there was also the, a supercharged version. The GTPs were rated at 240 or 260, yeah. I believe. They That's were pretty the, hot. The 3800 was the next generation of the 3.8 odd fire Buick right. V6. So those, they're torquey little motors. Yeah. Yeah. They're good motors. They're yeah. great. They're well built. They're oh, strong. Yeah. Full roller again. Yeah, no complaints about them. And uh, yeah, so we just have to adapt to this year. This year's rule changes. You used to just have to have a fire extinguisher in the car. Now you have to have a full fire suppression system. So, so what does to, that mean? Uh, you have like a, a fire extinguisher mounted with a remote activation, and you have lines plumbed from it that spray into the cabin as well as into the engine compartment. Huh. Yeah. So, so getting... were you able to take a a dry extinguisher? Yeah. Well, he bought he picked up a full a complete system okay. for that. So okay. purpose built gotcha. uh, a tank that's designed to be mounted and like on the center console, and that's where we put it and just ran the lines and pray we pass tech. <laughs> well, and pray you don't need it. You know, that's everything. yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, you don't want to. That'll ruin your day. Little little fire it's, ruins ruins a lot of days. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Not well, good, fun. but you're you're ready for it. So you got the fire suppression system in. Yep. Um, we had to put a um, like a backstop, like this brace for the back of the of the seat back. So if you're rear ended, your seat back doesn't f- collapse. So that that was installed. Um, we had uh, we had problems with the kill switch. Kill switch wasn't working properly, mm-hmm. so we had mm-hmm. to. Maddie's got to get a new one of those. And you also have to. It has to be mounted where the driver can access it, as well as any Safety. help can access it early uh, easily as well. So he had to. He rigged some kind of wire with a handle on it to pull it from the passenger side to turn it off. Okay. So, and do you have a so. sign that says pull or whatever? I think, probably yeah, do. probably. It's probably yeah. a good idea. Yeah, I, I'm going to bring that up in the next in the next meeting. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this so this whole series it used to be what 300 bucks or 500 bucks in the in the total price of the car or something. What was it? Correct. I think it's like 500 dollars. Yeah, has to be the total price of the car. But and if you win your season, you win like 400 dollars in nickels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I'm guessing your fire suppression system was probably every bit of that. Every, all day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All day so that's long. the car yeah, yeah. price. It's not the mods. and Correct. Yeah. Correct. Not the overall investment, just the initial vehicle investment. Right. Because there, there was a series where the total investment had to be less than a grand or something, right? Was that the grassroots motorsports thing? Is this the grassroots, grassroots motorsports thing? This, I do believe it is grassroots motorsports yeah. and, um, and they, they used to have people that would you'd have to present your accounting you know of like receipts of what you bought and spent and you could sell parts off the car and you know do all that <laughs> I, I think i got a little little ridiculous but that was a long time I, I didn't know that i don't know if that still matters at one point i think it did and in the early days of uh, of online forums, I think guys were getting all bent out of shape because they would show up with a car that clearly wasn't, you know, a five hundred right. car, and mm-hmm. and you know you're cheating because you know you you got all this stuff, and they had to present you know how they landed on that number. That, I mean, that's fair. It kind I mean, of you don't, want, you don't want ringers, yeah. No, like but, you know, my grandmother sold me her. Uh, you know, S six hundred Mercedes for one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but there are some fast cars that race in the series. Um, I was talking to Maddie, and he says I was going like a hundred miles an hour on the backstretch, and I was getting passed up like I was standing still. Some of these cars are just ridiculously fast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I believe it. I don't know if I'd ever told you the story. In uh, nineteen eighty seven, my dad bought. Uh, Delta 88 Oldsmobile, four-door. Nice car. And it had the 3800. It was... Uh, okay. Actually, I think it was probably the last year for the 3.8 before they named it 3800. But it was the roller motor, oh, the whole see. thing. 165 horsepower, now that I think of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was in high school, and, and um, one night I had that car, and my buddy had a 79 Camaro Berlinetta with a 305. And Hell yeah! <laughs> we, we squared off, and I beat him in a really. It was longer than a quarter mile drag race, but yeah, the the Oldsmobile walked him. Wow! I know. 
Nobody could believe that he was pissed. Well, he should have, <laughs> as he should have been. God dang it, I got a V8 Camaro. I lost this awful beetle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. A lot of torque steer. I remember that car had. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. Well, well I had a I had a, a 99 uh, Grand Prix GTP with the supercharged uh, uh, 3800, and that torque steered like crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's about the limit you want on a front-wheel drive car. Well, is it so? Is this a front-wheel drive class Ooh. that you guys are racing in? Or are you going to be up against like you know rear-drive Mazdas and stuff? That is a great question. One that I'm also going to bring up in the next meeting. Oh, right on two. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Trivia questions. Because um, you're at a disadvantage, you know, front drive against something yeah. else. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think he expects to win. I just think he expects to have fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Well, and you're already doing that, so. Yeah. We're all winners now, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The... Uh, participation trophy race of champions <laughs> it's my whole life right now yeah. that's cool oh, but yeah it should be really fun I'm, all right I'm so really the race is in to... april and and what is right. left to do on this thing then uh we have to still finish we have to plumb the the release ha- or what uh rig up the release handle for fire suppression um, cause we got the, we got the plumbing in, but we don't have the activation in. So we got to figure that out. That also has to be easily accessible by the driver, obviously. So there's going to be some, some fabrication involved with that. Um, unfortunately his garage is not a great fabrication shop. Mm. So we're going to have to kind of come up with something, uh, that's going to facilitate that. Um, well, you know, if you, <clears throat> you need to make a couple of brackets, you should come down. You know, I'll, uh, a weekend I'll be putting an EFI system in the car. You can go in the fab Dude. shop and break stuff and weld stuff. And that's a, you got a deal. <laughs> <That'd> be great. <laughs> make it all out of cardboard, and you know, bring it down. And we'll chop yeah. it up and do um, it up. Yeah. What else do we have to do? Um, yeah. The, the fire suppression. Oh, the kill switch. We have to rewire the uh, the, the kill switch properly. There was some questions about how to how to wire up the um, the battery cable wires mm. from the kill switch into the into the battery, and uh, the guy that did it before said it was in parallel, but that didn't make any sense to me because if it's in parallel, a kill switch isn't going to really have any effect. No. So I, I, I'm going to do my research and make sure that that gets wired in correctly and uh, do it wired. Right. In wired in correctly, series. yeah. You just said, <laughs> "Well, wired." <laughs> I gotta make sure it's gonna be wired incorrectly. Wired it's in be wired correctly. Wired <laughs> in correctly. Yes. Yeah. Wired in, <laughs> comma correctly. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yes. 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 So that's that's all I can really think of. That's that's that we have to do. So. And then, as far as driver safety, you got to have a helmet, I'm guessing, and gloves or something. And yeah, you have to have a. It, it's, there's a full roll cage in the car. Um, yeah, you have, to have a fire suit, helmet. Uh, you know, no max gloves, the whole shebang. I mean, the real deal. So it's not like you can't race in your, you know, jean shorts or anything like that. Yeah, flip flops. Although, yeah. although, although that would be fun, but uh, that's not going to yeah. fly. No, not in competition anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So. Well, that's really cool. And and I know, you know, our listener is uh, envisioning a maroon 92 Buick or whatever it is. And that, that's what mm-hmm. it is. I mean, you sent the picture. Yeah. It, it's maroon with yeah. what, gray or maroon interior or something? Oh, yeah. It was gray. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So apropos for that car. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great, and I'm really excited that he asked me to be part of that. So I'm, it's going to be, I'm really excited about it. This is year two for you on this team. No, this is the first time I've done it. Oh, okay. So that was a different deal. That was actual racing that you were accruing on up at Road America. Oh yeah, that my my buddy uh, Chris Shaftsma. Right. Uh, he races in um, SCCA. That's right. That's yeah, the real deal. He races, yeah, his Volkswagen Golf. Yeah, That's the yeah. or his GTI. Excuse me, sorry, Chris. Uh, GTI. <laughs> Got to be correct. Got to be correct. It's just like so, those other guys. It's an SRT four. It's not a neon. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, but there I helped him crew a couple of times uh, on that car, and that's right. always that was a gas as well. So yeah, all your racing ventures, you know, it's hard to keep track of them now. My God, you know, I'm, I'm everywhere, man. I'm lucky I find time to do this show. Uh, you are, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm honored and privileged to uh, get, yeah, the, right. get the hour. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah. That's all cool. right. Tells yeah, me I, I don't stuff. I don't get enough racing exposure these days, you know. Used to be I was covering the NMCA races all over the country every weekend and, right. and doing, yeah. uh, you know, Optima stuff and you know autocross events and all the rest. And uh, mm-hmm. I got to do more of that. You do next summer, Kevin. Well, and and we had talked a little bit about this Corvette that we have. Did we talk about that on the show? Right. No, we have not talked about it on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've got a 79 Corvette that we use to mock up some interior stuff that has been suggested we drive to Bonneville and run on the salt flats and drive it home. This has to happen. (laughs) This has to happen. Yeah, um, we need to get on that uh, like now. So it would be a great time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. It would be legendary. I don't know if it'd be legendary, but it'd be fun. It would be legendary, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> it's it's a loose adaptation of the term legendary, but nope. That's it, what again, the term was made for. It, it wouldn't be, yeah, a, a bunch of dopes in a '79 Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What um, could go wrong? <laughs> and it wouldn't again be trying to set any kind of record or anything, or just just to do it, just to drive out yeah. there and run it and drive it back and survive yep. you know would be pretty For cool. sure yeah it, well you know what i'm gonna be talking to our friend grady and we're gonna make sure that you get coerced into this properly well, yeah he he was the the main motivator behind it because he's a big a big salt guy mm-hmm. and uh as am i he he's more into it than i am he, he's mm-hmm. He's got the ability to, to to project and say we can actually do this, um, and he's he's not wrong. No, he's not. And the, the car isn't all screwed up. It's it doesn't have an engine or transmission, and the, the interior's got it already. And um, you know, we were just kind of kicking around what would be a good power plant for the thing. And again, it would kind of be like our, you know. Bonneville Le Mans approach because nobody really has any money or wants to put money into this car beyond mm-hmm. making it safe. You know, <clears throat> we're not building sure. a race car. Uh, it just so happened that we had the Corvette and it just kind of happens that they're, they're stable at speed. Um, mm-hmm. And I might have a source of a couple of takeoff parts uh, from another Corvette project um, that we could modify the suspension mm-hmm. with a little bit. And I'm almost thinking carbureted small block in it, you know, and just... It's perfect. Just get there and get back, you know. And mm-hmm. Although a junkyard 5.3 with a, a little Chinese wool whistle on it would be kind of fun, too. <laughs> a Chinese woo whistle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> but we'll see. Oh, that's the best thing I've heard all day. <laughs> yep yep oh my god that's beautiful (laughs) that is priceless well that's the high note i've been waiting for and look at the time (laughs) how about it (laughs) for those who listen on their lunch hour you know we'll try to keep this content contained Mm -hmm. uh for sure so yeah more to come on the bonneville car we'll leave it at that Cool. Um, cool. In the meantime, maybe we should uh, share the results of our trivia question that I got wrong. Yes, indeed. Let's share those results. Okay, Kevin, I asked you which auto, which U.S. auto manufacturer had the typewriter drive and what was the typewriter drive. And you were kind of going down a path to say Ford in you know, like the Galaxy, big cars. And that would have been wrong. Yeah, yeah I knew that. But instead, you picked Plymouth, which is part of Chrysler, which did have the typewriter drive, which, yes, Kevin, was the push-button transmission. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, See, man. Luck exists, friends. Oh, my God. I knew you were going to pull it off, too. God dang it. <laughs> well, I'm not the uh, <clears throat> the sharpest lemon in the box, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad I was able to connect those dots. Very satisfying. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was pretty cool, watching watching your mind work like that. So, <laughs> Right on. Yeah. Right on. Well, that was a great question. Good job. Thank you. I learned something, so that's good. All right, so my question to you was, what yeah. car company built the Manta, and where oh. could you buy one? And your response was, General Motors was the parent company, yeah. <laughs> and God the actual it. company was Buick, uh, which logically you could buy them at your local Buick dealer. Correct. But not correct. Every word of that except for one is correct. Get the flip out of here. <laughs> and and the one word that's wrong is only half wrong. Shut <laughs> up. What? So I'm going to give it to you. You won that one. The correct God damn it. I won it. Yes. The, <laughs> the correct answer is Opal. Opal Manta. God darn it. Yes, the uh the esteemed Opal Manta from I don't know 71 to 75 or something was the mm. first series of them. And Opel was a German car company owned by General Motors. General Motors. And Opels were sold at your local Buick dealer. Shut your mouth. Not sh- not lying at all. So you got wow. it right. Wow. Holy <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Yay, wow. everybody wins. Well, this is what winning feels like. It feels great. <laughs> Holy shnikes. Yeah, yeah. And those are those are super cool little cars. And, and we're not talking about the Opel GT that looks like a miniature Corvette. The Opel Manta right. was, to me, it's like a mini fastback Mustang with Corvette taillights is, is kind of how. Mm. And it's German and they sold a ton of them and they, they had little four cylinders in them. But they're, they're neat little cars. And you can thank your friend Kelly for that trivia question. Thank you, Kelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. She knew you knew that one, so. She knew I knew that one. He's going to know that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give him one. Oh, that's killer. Yeah. Woo. Got to bask in the glory of this one here for a second. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Well, that was uh, that was a well worthwhile episode, my friend. Yeah, thanks. Five it really came together myself. at the end. It was, it was a spiffer. <laughs> it was very spiffing. Yes, outstanding. Uh, and I, I do want to throw a little thing out there. At the end of the show, we usually say where you can listen, which sounds silly to me because you're already listening. Um, uh-huh. But uh, it, it's turning out that there's a lot of different random places where you can tune into this these episodes. And, and I, usually when we share them on the Facebook page, we share the link to our website. Correct. And I'm learning that that is proving to be a little cumbersome. The, the player oh, really? technology just isn't that great. So for a better experience, I'm going to recommend using one of the uh, podcast services. So uh, Apple Podcast, iTunes is a good Mm. one. Uh, Spotify, um, iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio is nice because it sends you an email when the Mm -hmm. episode comes out. Um, Podchaser is another good one. We don't want to cause hassle. So find an easy no. way to listen to this. <laughs> Forget our website. <laughs> we really just want you to listen. Well, you know, <laughs> people were, were contacting me and I'm like, oh, and I grabbed my phone one day and I went to, my, I went to our own website. I'm like, you know what? This, this is kind of a pain. So huh. um, some people don't like, you know, particular conglomerates. You know, they, they might not be a fan of Apple anything, so they don't want to go right. to iTunes, which I get. Uh, but mm-hmm. there are other alternatives. Stitcher's another good one. Correct. So the, the whole list is, well, and not the whole list because there's others that are being added all the time. But uh, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, <clears throat> Google with their new uh, Google podcast thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Player FM. Um, Player pretty, FM, pretty good one. Uh, Podbean, Podchaser, um, and if you really want to, you can go to the website at va8radio.com. Uh, but don't say I didn't warn you if you get frustrated. Hmm. Unless we can make some technology upgrades, which we will work on. But that's uh, that's all I got for that. So, and then subscribe, and then you'll, you'll probably get some kind of an indicator. Um, and 
to to your recommendation, um, been exploring doing the YouTube channel. Oh, cool! For V8 Radio, and struggling a little bit. Um, our V8 TV channel has been around long enough to where I can probably put up a five-hour video if I want. Right. <clears throat> but I didn't want to put the V8 radio podcasts in the V8 TV channel because okay. it's, it's really not a video, you know, and I, I, we've done a couple right. teasers before and people are like, what mm-hmm. the heck? I saw the same picture for five minutes. You know, they didn't, they didn't <laughs> quite get it. It's funny. Your brain is used to, used to something. And when you throw them something a little right. bit different. So we created the V8 radio channel, but being a new channel, technically, I think we've got a 10 minute limit on the, the final oh, length. content. Yeah. Okay. So I uploaded an hour long show and it kicked it out and said, you know, hmm. so I'm working on whatever I did to make our other channels handle longer videos. Um, okay. And once we get that dialed in, then we'll have a YouTube channel as well. And you'll be able to oh, uh, right on. stream them that way, which um, it's turning out that uh, there's a lot of podcasters that use YouTube very successfully. Uh, Joe Rogan is one. And mm. what he'll put his whole two hour show out and then he'll also do videos that are snippets of his podcast. Right. You know, like a yeah. five minute thing, you know, that guy, his show, his podcast has been in the top 10 no, overall top 10 for over, over a year. Oh yeah. It's yeah. Never, never left the top 10. Right. And, and I think in our case, what we would do is just, randomly grab five minutes of our show and just put it out there <laughs> perfect so it might be the middle of a story you know whatever <laughs> yeah you know we'll see <laughs> so yeah cool, a, lot, a lot of fun stuff to come so pretty cool right on all right man well this has been a good one thanks for the yeah uh, thanks for the time some great updates everything's going forward like to hear it mm-hmm yeah it's awesome yeah it is and uh, and and that's all we got for this time. Uh, we will chat at you next time. But until then, uh, keep the shiny side over a hundred, and we'll see you next time on VA Radio. <laughs>